This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 71. Today on our show, Taste of Belgium founder Jean-Francois Flachet. The best one was the old Rookwood. So I was on the, uh, parked on the side of the building, and then I walked into the kitchen, said, good morning, everybody. It was Sunday brunch. And then I unplugged the waffle iron. I said, waffle 86, which means we're out of waffles. Yeah, 86 And then I walked out with the waffle iron. And nobody said a word. It was just like, okay. <laughs> Jean-Francois came to the U.S. to work in marketing, but wound up in the waffle business. We hear about him repossessing uh, waffle irons. He was in the waffle iron business first before he was actually making waffles. Uh, we also learn about his time it's trying to serve waffles at Coachella, the big music festival uh, out there in California, and uh, what might be next for Taste of Belgium. All right, so let's, uh, oh, let me tell you to be sure to listen to the, uh, for the special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. That's very important. And uh, you, you can save 20% off your CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order with that promo code. So uh, now let's talk to Jean-Francois. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from the INCINNATI. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm a CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. For us, we want to wait all three meal periods, so that makes it tricky. That's why Rookwood is fantastic. Oh, yeah, you got everybody around. Yeah, Rookwood, Rookwood is great. We have like families all day long, and then people at lunch. Uh, and then with the density of people living there, we, we, we do a decent dinner business. Loveland would be difficult. I mean, I'm sure dinner we would do well, but breakfast and lunch during the week, I don't know how that would do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... It's always a risk, too, you yeah. know? So we most likely you, do... You want to be everywhere, We right? most likely do Mason or Westchester, like Union Center Boulevard or Fields or all. I think there it's... That, that would make more sense. Oh yeah, get all the get all the cars in there. Yeah. So you guys have three locations right now. Four full service: uh, OTR, Shortvine, Rookwood, and the banks, and then Finley Market and North Market in Columbus. Oh, you're in Columbus now too, huh? It, that, that was the second location. So we just celebrated our 10th year anniversary there. Wow! Wow! So, yeah. yeah, we thought managing a store, you know, Loveland's about. Uh, what, 12 miles from our OTR store, or the Hyde Park store where we are now. That's hard enough, 12 miles. How do you manage something 100 miles away? We have a good team. So, and then we, <laughs> we, 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 we send someone once a week now to, to also check on the team. But uh, we've, we, we've been lucky because in 10 years, Gemma is our, what, f- third, third or fourth manager, maybe four? Wow. So in 10 years, so that's not... With RJ, Brandon, Kels, Kelsey, yeah. So, so we've been lucky with uh, with the people we've hired there. Awesome. So we can tell by your accent, you're born and raised in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, one high school, Kentucky. What is? Where are you from originally? Belgium. Um, Belgium. <laughs> Small village called Bombay. So that would be just like Bombay in India with an E at the end. Okay. Before they re- before they rename it Mumbai. So, tiny village, 800 people, maybe. There's a church, a cemetery, and that's about it. So, uh, my European uh, travels, Belgium is the only place I've ever been to. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Where, where did you go? I, uh, my old day job was uh, I worked at Procter & Gamble, and our European headquarters were in Brussels. Yeah. So uh, I spent 10 days in Brussels, and I took the train to a couple. We went to Antwerp, and then... Um, I, I loved it there. I absolutely loved it there. And it's funny because I uh, I was obsessed with the fact that they had waffles as just like, you know, it didn't have to just be like a breakfast food like I was used to here. You know, it was dessert or, you know, paired with other types of food. And I remember back in that time, I mean, this was 19 years ago, thinking like, man, this would be awesome. <laughs> to have access to all the time, and now I do have access. You to just it go to Denny's and you have your breakfast all day. It's a different. It's a different kind McDonald's. of waffle, right? <laughs> yeah, people, it's funny because in, in in Belgium, people don't eat waffles for breakfast, and then we don't call waffles Belgian waffles because we're in Belgium, right. so yeah. all waffles are Belgian. Um, but nobody eats waffles for breakfast, so it's really the Liège style that we made that we make are more of a snack. So back yeah. home, it's just serving a piece of wax paper, yep. and that's it. And then you eat it on the go. Some chocolate syrup on it. We can do that's that's more like in Brussels. Yeah. But where I grew up, you get nothing. You just get the it's waffle, the a piece waffle. of wax paper, and that's it. So have you ever really? heard the uh, company called it Goff? I think it's pronounced. In French, it would be Goff. Okay, yeah. it's yeah. It's waffle translated into Goff. With okay, with, but I would, my understanding was it's with, with it's with chocolate on it, or is it without? Because when I was in France in '78, when I was 12, we discovered those. And I thought they had to have chocolate on them to be officially called a gaufre. No, a gaufre is just, it's just waffle. waffle. Oh, okay, yep. there you have it. See, Learned mystery something. solved after four years. <laughs> it's, no, it's no surprise why I liked it so much. Is you know you have waffles for dessert. The chocolate was incredible. Like right there in the square, there's like nine different chocolate places and Haagen Dazs ice cream. It was like. I was like, I can live here. Like this is this is right up my alley. But what makes it like what what makes the the chocolate so much better over there. On the chocolate, I don't know. It's been like a really big uh, tradition in chocolate making in Belgium for centuries. So um, I just think that it's just they've just they've, learned the process. They've learned yeah. it's just like making chocolate and making beer and waffles. It's just like it must be in the blood by now. Yeah, I'd say so. I brought it home for for folks and. They talked about it forever. Like, what you know, when you go back to Belgium, get get us a refill. And the other thing, you know, I'm not a drinker, but I, the Belgian beer, like one of the things uh, over there is every beer has its own glass. Yeah. And if there aren't any of those glasses available un- until one comes back to the bar, they won't serve that beer. I mean, at the place we went, that was the case. Which place was it? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was some, some pub that, you know, we were taken to after dinner one night. We had we'd gone to dinner at the site of the World's Fair and then uh, and then we went to um, some pub afterwards and everybody had a different beer and they were all in different glasses and you know that was the thing it was like each beer over there has its own glass it has to be served in. Yeah, it's always like that. So b- people are very, very strict about what beer they use. And then some breweries are very creative about the way they design the glass. Like uh, we always carry uh, triple caramelite and quack. I don't know if you've quack, seen the yeah. quack. It's just like fantastic with that wooden handle yeah. and uh, the glass. How would you describe it? It's almost like a uh, like a science, like a like a test tube, like it's a <laughs> you know, like you're making experiments or something. It was very very unique. That glass is funny because they designed it in that shape with kind of like a bubble at the bottom, and then yeah. it's really narrow and goes up and then extend like yeah. a tulip glass. The reason for the shape 
is so that you could mount it on the side of a horse carriage and drive it without spilling it. Wow. How fun <laughs> is wow. that? Wow. That's really cool. It's Never true. changed. Yeah, my roommate uh, was a big beer drinker at the time, and um, I brought him as many different types as I could home, just like the bottles of it, and then I brought him the quad glass. That's so fun. It's funny. When we sell one, we sell ten. It's just like people go, people don't even ask what's the beer. They just say, I want that thing in that glass. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like, uh, so I have like the very plain tastes you know like i've always just been that sort of like meat and potatoes like they made fun of me when we were in belgium because i was the one that was going to like burger king and pizza Hut <laughs> and stuff like that chipotle meat yeah. and cheese that's all i want meat and cheese but that's just how i was like I, you know i was never my my food horizons were never expanded as a child like that's what i ate you know and uh and i remember going over there and they were serving steak tartare and i was like are they going to cook this hamburger? <laughs> like, I really had no idea that that was how you were supposed to eat it. And and uh, and then one night I had a, I did order a steak, and they, it was, like, rare. Like, it was the most rare steak I'd ever had. And I asked if they would cook it a little more. And the chef came out and <laughs> and told, said, I will not cook this anymore. Whoa. And I was funny. like, ooh. Like, I felt really <laughs> bad. But... Man. We used to have steak tartare on the menu, and it was funny when people would say, like, I'll take the steak tartare. Can I, can I, steak tartare, can I have that medium, medium well? well. <laughs> yeah, uh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically some... raw meat covered it in is. egg, right? I mean, get yeah. some A1 with it, too. I saw. I Did you try it? No, I didn't try it. It's I, really I good. I couldn't bring it's myself really, to try really it. Good. I, I, I literally was like, where did Because it was in the cafeteria at the Procter & Gamble site. And I was like, oh, do we take this somewhere to get it? Like, <laughs> I was like, I literally had no idea. Jeez. Stupid American. So how'd you get to Cincinnati? By mistake. Yeah. <laughs> That's everybody's. Uh... That is. Do you come from and a food then, family? or? Uh, n- no, I um, Originally, I came here to do a PhD in economics, so I was at the University of Pennsylvania. I moved here in uh, 2000 to work for a market research company. Uh, I could legally work in the U.S. for for one year, so I applied for jobs all over the country. I had no idea I was in Cincinnati, was on a bump, and when I got a job offer, I'm like, well, how bad can it be? It's just one year anyway, so um, it's been 19 years. Wow. You liked so, it? Was it instant? Did you like the city, or did it oh no, it some... took years. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the the company sponsored my visa, then my green card, and uh, and then after five years, once I got the green card, I started doing other things, and then a few years later, started Tesla Belgium. Um, but it was kind that... of grew on me at first. At well, at first, the thing is that I was stuck with the job. Uh, and uh, with um, with the visa, I could not work for another employer. I was kind of like stuck with the company that I was with. So I was not necessarily happy to be here. But once I got my green card, I'm there like, now I'm here by choice. Because if I want to go and get a job somewhere else, I can leave. Yeah. So I'm there like, then I better stop bitching about the place. <laughs> and, um, and it's just like Cincinnati grows on you. I, I mean, I love it here, so... Did you always want to have a restaurant, or like how did the how did you go from market research to taste of Belgium? Yeah, so I never worked in a restaurant in my life, and until I had one. Um, when I started, so no, I've that, that was never never the vision. The, the The original vision with the waffle, the plan was not to get into the restaurant business. So from that standpoint, I failed miserably. The plan was to make the waffle dough 
sell it to coffee shop, restaurant, hotels, etc. And then I was making the equipment. We were making the waffle iron with a friend of mine, and we were leasing. Uh, we were leasing the equipment. So we had accounts all the way up to Cleveland, all the way down to Nashville. But people kept on screwing up the waffles. So it was a loose licensing agreement. So my brand name was too often attached to a uh, uh, to a mediocre product. So at some point, I decided to just roll all that back and then uh, open the first restaurant and then kind of grow from there. So was it like a family recipe? Like, did you just know, like, that this is going to sell or is it something you... I thought it would sell, uh, but I didn't know. I never baked a waffle in my life until one day I was... uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I was working with a friend of mine who was building a hot food vending machine. Hot food vending machine. Hot food vending machine. Ah. So I spent a few years in my basement working on that. We had a bunch of local investors, friends and family back home, uh, put some money on that. And um, well, what was going to be in there? All different kinds of food. Pretty much anything that you can uh, that you can warm up with uh, with co- with a combination oven. Okay. And uh, so we had a robotic arm that would grab the food out of the vending machine, stick it into the oven, cook it based on database specification, grab a side and a drink, and deliver it on a on a disposable tray. Wow. So it was pretty advanced. Wow! Machine. So and how we, long ago so was that this? exists, or you guys invented that? We, we we built it. We built the first prototype. That was uh, we presented to the investors. The thing was December '06, and then uh, we were supposed to move on to the next stage. And then a couple of people bailed out. So very quickly, it was clear that we didn't have the money we needed to move to the next phase. So I could either go back to corporate world and forget about that or try to do something to pay my bills um, working weekends and then try to find an investor during the week. And uh, I was on a trip back home in Belgium and I went to a hospitality trade show in Brussels. My plan was to go there, check out the vending division, see if they were doing anything innovative there. And there was an old man who was baking waffles uh, outside the show at the entrance. So I grabbed a waffle, spent two hours talking with the old man, did some math on the back of a napkin, never entered the show, came back to visit him the next day and left with a 120-pound cast iron waffle maker. By then, I never baked a waffle in my life. Uh, the plan was to bring uh, waffle dough frozen from uh, from Belgium from him and then uh, serve it here and then see if I can sell enough and then um, pay my bills that way until I find a group of investors. So it, w- it was the plan was just a side gig. And then uh, Jean-Robert de Cavell, uh, the, the yeah. chef, French chef, uh, is a really good friend of mine, told me that bringing frozen waffle dough was just stupid. <laughs> Want to make your own waffle dough? And, uh, Fair enough. And I'm like, I don't have a kitchen. Of course, for him to say that. Yeah, and, uh, I don't have a kitchen. And so he said, well, you can use kitchen for one of my restaurants. So I started uh, playing around with uh, with the recipe. And then another friend of mine helped me kind of like fine-tune it. I called a guy back home. So I called my mom. And they're like, do you remember the guy who was selling the waffle at the market in, in Vise when we grew up? And she said, yeah, but uh, he retired. And they're like, Fine, but can you track him down? Because it's the best waffle we've ever had and I've ever had. And so I wanted to kind of reproduce that taste and from what I remember. And so I ended up calling the guy and he gave me some pointers about the proportion, etc. But the flour is different there and a lot of things are different. But still, I got a lot of good pointers from that guy and then tweak it with uh, with a friend here until I got the taste to what I want. 
what I remembered it tasting. Yeah. Because even in Belgium, a lot of people are taking shortcuts now. So a lot of the waffles you would eat in Brussels, they use margarine and crap like that, where we use all natural product, the best products we can get our hands on. So how long did that process take of like deciding you were going to do it and then finally getting it to where you wanted it? Well, first thing was getting the waffle iron in because I tried to check it on Delta. I was going to say, that's a, <laughs> that's a heavy bag. Yeah. That was heavy, so that didn't work out well. So the very first time... I How big is a 120-pound waffle iron? It's about this big, so oh, I don't know, man. two feet, Yeah. two by one, something like that. Because you put it in the overhead bin? <laughs> no. no, they would not let me take it, so we had to uh, uh, send Shit it via freight. Yeah. Man. Hundred okay, pounds—that's so. almost as much as me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the new ones that we make so are about sixty pounds. Yeah. So they're lighter. Do you sell the waffle irons? No, we stopped making them. Uh, we were only using them internally, so we were only leasing them. Okay. Yeah. You sell the dough? We used to. Right now, it's only. Uh, you really need the waffle iron in order to get it right. Oh, okay. So uh, that's a combo deal, huh? So it's a combo deal. So are you using the old irons that you built, or do you, do you lease new ones now? Because well, we don't lease anything anymore because we we rolled everything back. The the old waffle irons we repurpose most of the parts and we rebuild them uh, okay. a lot sturdier. Because the, the 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 one thing is that you want the waffle iron so that you can. With the, with the cast iron, it takes a really long time to warm up. It takes a really long time to cool down. So um, I wanted to have waffle irons that we can carry even when they're hot. So ours, um, ours, you can just grab them and uh, and move them. While typical ones from Belgium, you would have to wait for it to cool down because otherwise you would you would burn yourself. And that was really important when it wanted to do like repossession and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, running, running into a kitchen and really? then plug the waffle iron and run. Yeah. <laughs> you had to do that. Oh, I have to do that. Yep. Wow. What was that like? Were you getting any good stories <laughs> from repossessing waffle irons? <laughs> I mean, like that's a oh, TV yeah. show. Oh, yeah. the, the, the best one was the old Rookwood. I mean, the restaurant is not, they don't, I don't think they exist anymore. They might be different ownership. Oh, Mount Adams? Yeah. Yeah. So I parked on the side there. I mean, they wouldn't, had to seal their wa- they would, they would, they wouldn't pay the bills. They were ignoring my calls, etc. But uh, we were still delivering waffles. So I was on the, I parked on the side of the building. And then I walked into the kitchen. I said, good morning, everybody. It was Sunday brunch. Uh, morning. Uh. And then I unplugged the waffle iron. I said, waffle 86, which means we're out of waffles. Yeah, 86 waffles. And then waffles. I walked out with the waffle iron. <laughs> That's an American thing. I thought, was yeah. it hot? Oh, yeah, it was hot, but I could grab it when it was yeah. hot. So, yeah, so that was, I guess, the most comical <laughs> repossession. Wow. Because nobody, nobody, nobody said a word. It was just like, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, so did weird. someone pay the waffle iron guy? <laughs> <laughs> she just took it. <laughs> That's hilarious. And you were delivering That's dough, nuts. so they had dough, but no iron to cook it on. Yeah. <laughs> crazy Fridgeman just lifted our waffle iron. <laughs> I made the omelet guy mad, I bet, because his line was probably super long after that. Yeah. That's fine. That was so fun. so how crazy. long did it take you to perfect the recipe once you started working on it? Really just a few days. I mean, um, oh, okay. yeah, I worked with a, with a friend of mine. I knew, how I, wanted, I knew how I wanted it to taste, and he knew based on what I was telling him how to adjust the proportion, etc. Did wow. you find the old recipe from, did your mom track down that guy? Or? Yeah, yeah, she tracked down the guy. I talked he to him on the phone. He gave me some pointers about like the, the proportions that he was using, oh. and then I used that as a guiding principles. And then we started doing a lot of funky things like 
pumpkin waffle and yeah. cinnamon apple waffle and, and then slapping piece of fried chicken on the waffle. Yeah. So, yeah. so is anyone doing this uh, before? Or did you make it a trend here locally? Because, I mean, I don't remember any other waffle Pretty joints. Sure we were the first ones here. Yeah, I think you were too. But, like, on the coast, were, uh, were yeah, waffles they, they, your style? You know, the... I mean, everyone has a, you know, there's the waffle station at the brunch, but, you know, doing it the way you do it. At the Hampton Inn every morning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. How dare you. Yeah, I know, there are right? a few people now, I don't know when they start. You pour that batter into a plastic into a plastic cup, cup shot glass, you, and then, is, yeah. This and then, is next level we're talking about. I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah, as soon as you do something good, you know, there's someone right around your back trying to copy you, so. Yeah, but it's tricky because you need to ca- you need the casserole and waffle maker. You need a special sugar that we bring in from Belgium, so... I mean, those are not real barrier, barriers to entry, but it's just more difficult than you cannot just go to a supermarket and buy everything you need. Well, I want to talk mm. that not not only did you have that vision of like offering something new around here, but the location. I mean, like nobody like Vine Street wasn't Vine Street now when you were there. Like, yeah. did you just have that vision? Did you have like, uh, you know, in, inside intel of what the, the long term plan was? Because Jean Robert, he had a place on, he, over there Love too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the vision to like invest in that kind of property before it is what it is today, I mean, it's very smart. Well, the thing is that at the time, there, there had been conversation for years about the streetcar. And it was clear in all the proposal that there would be a stop at 12th and Vine. And uh, the one thing that has happened all over America and all over the world is anytime that there is a streetcar, it really triggers economic development. So it's a tool that it's really much more of an economic development tool than a transportation project. And um, so I knew that that the streetcar was going to happen there. So I kind of put a bet on that. I didn't expect it was going to take them so long to build it because there was like all those referendums on the project yeah um but that's really what launched the, the redevelopment of otr when you look at the development along the line it's been mind-blowing yeah so, i mean we've seen it for sure um, so every time that streetcar stops you know you're gonna get hit with 50 customers coming in <laughs> there's not always 50 yeah, people yeah. in the streetcar yeah, but, uh, yeah on exactly. weekend and yeah it's it, it is definitely up and it has helped a lot at finney market that's really funny because you see people stop on the, on the streetcar, they stop on one side, they walk throughout the market, they catch up on the other side, yeah. or they walk to Rheingeist. So those are the stories we need to hear because a lot a lot of times it's just oh things just going in a loop empty for you know all day. But there's definitely ways they need to improve it. But uh, that's good that you know people are investing in the area and you know stuff like that. At what point did you realize you were really onto something here? So when I started here, so the very first time I baked waffle was actually uh, in uh, in California at the Coachella Music Festival. Oh wow! Whoa! And, really? <laughs> Coachella. Have, these stories are like your little like side stories are the ones that I went like whoa, whoa, whoa talk about this. So I, I told a friend of mine I was going to start selling waffles, and he had just moved from here to Indio, California, yeah. and he said, "Oh, well, there is a music festival in my backyard. Maybe, you, maybe I can get a waffle iron too, and maybe we start a business together." And they're like, "Sure." And uh, well, I didn't realize that his backyard was uh, Coachella. So he applied for it. They let us in. I mean, which was just funny because we had never done anything. So we went there. Insane. There were a lot of things I had no idea we needed in order to. You well, need the flower on your hair. Well, no, the first thing that you need is actually a health, health department license, licensed oh. kitchen facilities, etc. We had no clue. Oh, yeah. And um, 
So what like year the was fire this? festival. So that was uh, <laughs> that was April two thousand seven. Okay. And um, the one thing that I had no idea is that how hot it is already in. Uh, <laughs> In spring in April, <laughs> yeah. well, it's like already a hundred degrees. So the last thing that you want to eat is a hot waffle. So it's <laughs> not the best idea. The one thing uh, is that the kids do so much drugs though that around midnight when they crush they need sugar. So then we had to line up. That it cools yeah. off. So, <laughs> <I'm looking laughs> it, so yeah. So what we ended up doing is just baked waffle all day, and then by midnight it was just like. That's when you get turn your it into an ice cream cone and fill it with uh, fill it with ice cream and yeah. syrup. So when I came back here, um, I decided to start a little smaller than Big Festival. And then I set up at the back of Madison Produce. Brian Madison retired from PNG, so he had traveled just like you to Brussels quite a bit. And he knew, he knew exactly the type of waffle and had been shopping there for a long time. So I asked him if I could set up a waffle iron at the back of his produce store and uh, help him sell coffee. And they're like, you don't have to pay someone to sell the coffee. I'll sell the coffee for you. Let me try to see if people would eat the waffle. He goes like, okay. So we did that. And after about three weeks, he told me we had a problem because he's in business of selling produce and his store was too busy with people eating waffles. So that's when I realized like, hey, maybe I'm up to something with this. Huh. Thing. And so from there, what happened? Was it uh, straight to the restaurant? No, from there, I leased with him a space uh, across the rolling garage door. So I would be selling produce and baking waffles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I took a, t a permanent place inside the market. Uh, and then from there, started the, the wholesale aspect. So leasing, making the waffle iron, leasing the... Uh, sorry, yeah, making the waffle iron, lease them, and then provide the waffle dough. So, was your brand always called Taste of Belgium? Yeah, uh, except the first time we baked it in California, it was called Taste from Belgium because I could not get Taste of Belgium.com, so I got Taste from Belgium.com, and then I'm there like, what, whatever. Ah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but essentially, you ended up getting Taste of Belgium.com. No, we no? still don't have that one. There's still one guy in Idaho who's holding <laughs> it for his we wife. We know all about that guy <laughs> who dreams of one day opening Yeah. yeah. He's hoping to open a, a Belgian chocolate shop for, shop for his wife. He's had the domain name for like 15 years and won't let it go. Wow. But he didn't even put a price on it? Yeah, just one go. And every year I check, it always renews. Get renews. I'm like, <laughs> maybe one day's credit card will expire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can snatch it. That's so true. That's so true. That's... So what's uh, what's next? Then? Like, where are you just continuing to look in Cincinnati? Are you like having out of town spots? Are you looking? We've got Columbus. Uh, well, I know Columbus, but I mean, like, we next step is it more in Columbus, more in Cincinnati? Are you looking at Cleveland or bit of everything? But uh, we're currently building a new commissary in uh, Walnut Hills, so that will allow us to to have more room for expansion, and so from there we'll be able to to support more store. Because we make the waffle dough and a lot of the, the pastries and prep centrally. Um, so we'll be looking at um, Westchester, Mason, Columbus, yeah. Indy, and uh, try to Kentucky. Come Possibly down. Union, Kentucky. Anderson. <laughs> Anderson is tricky again because of the uh, density is there, but you don't really get all three meal periods. So because we because we need to what, go into the city to for the days. Oh and yeah, yeah. And then, so we we need places where we can hit all three meal period: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have a we have a new plaza there right by the Kroger 
Yeah, it's it's very expensive. And there's a nice big pile of dirt behind it that's going to open soon, so that's very. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we're excited in Union. We're yeah, finally Union starting is... to get some uh, like there's some really <laughs> cool spots are just starting to open up down there. Yeah, Union would be on the list. So you went to oh, <laughs> yeah, tell all market. my neighbors. Sounds like <laughs> drop a bomb here. You're in Fiddley Market. You get rid of the wholesale business. That's rubbish. You said that's that when you go to OTR. Then so I first did so that was 2008. I took a permanent location at Fiddley Market. 2009 opened uh, the North Market in Columbus, and then oh, okay. 2011 uh, September 2011 opened at uh, Fiddley Market. Uh, sorry, at uh, uh, OTR on 12th and Vine. And then August 2013 uh, at uh, on Short Vine near UC. Yep. So at the time it was called Vine Street. It's finally called Short Vine. It took them a really long time. Because if you look Eventually. it up, oh, yeah. Short Vine did oh, not yeah, exist. Yeah. So yeah. finally it's... A, and so we'd have like, there's a Belgian party of 12. We have six people at OTR, six people in Short Vine. <laughs> I, then, think that's, <laughs> I think that speaks to how good your product is. That I mean, literally between the banks and... Over the Rhine and Finley Market and Short Vine, you have four spots. I mean, within what, like three miles? Like the banks to OTR is exactly one mile, and OTR to Short Vine is one mile. But those are wow. very different neighborhoods. I was gonna say, do you stock them differently? Uh, you cater to different crowds, or uh, yeah, we cater I mean, to they're... different crowds. But it's funny because the best-selling item is always our waffle and chicken. But uh, uh, the the locations it's just like w- with UC we get like the people who live in Clifton uh, on on uh, on Short Vine we get the people who live in Clifton we have hospital we get uh, students etc lots of people coming from uh, before and after the match uh, when FCC plays so that's definitely um, a big help and then same thing with uh, uh, with the Bearcats when uh, uh, especially basketball season uh, so m- a little bit more college-oriented. Um, OTR is just like we get a lot of people from the conventions from... Uh, I mean, OTR is a destination, so it's from all over, all over town. Oh, yeah. You ever want to get in the stadiums? It's funny. We used to be for years at the, uh, at the Red Stadium, and then we opened at the bank, so I prefer to, to have people come and eat at, the, at our restaurant than at the stadium because we're not making any money there. But it was good PR. So... Yeah. Uh, hopefully, the new FCC stadium, we can do something. So, if uh, if Jeff is listening, remember, Jeff, we want to be inside the stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we'll let him know. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so, so, when you're experimenting with, like, new things to do with a waffle, like, what are some what are some ones that you've experimented with? You're like, this is terrible. Or one that you took a bite of and you're like, people are going to love this. Oh, years ago, we... At Philly Market for a while, we could not sell coffee. We could not, we could only sell tea. They had like some weird restriction, and there was a time where every, not everybody, but one of the big things was matcha, that like a Japanese green tea and powder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, because it's full of antioxidant and blah blah blah, it's supposed to uh, give you an energy kick, but not make you jittery like coffee. So we tried to make a matcha waffle. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it looked more like something that came out of a human being than <laughs> something you want to ingest. So the color, yeah, that was terrible. That's hilarious. <laughs> now, did you realize how much work goes into running a restaurant before you uh, took the dive? Because, I mean, ha- having not ever worked in a restaurant, if you never waited tables or anything, like, I, I, I uh, waited tables at Montgomery Inn for about three years, and that was the thing, is like, 
all the managers were all there, you know, an hour before I showed up and they were always there, like closing the place down an hour after, you know, the last customer leaves. Uh, I mean, the, the hours involved is just such a grind. Remember that saying, yeah. ignorance is a blessing? Yeah, I was yeah. clueless, I had no idea. So yeah. if I had known, I don't know that I would have done it, but um, yeah, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Just keeping up with, I mean, or the pricings or the portions or, you know, knowing what every, making sure every, you know, server that goes to each table is representing your brand, you know, the way that, uh, that you intend is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, there's just so much more that goes into it than just, well, the you know, learning curve too. We're, we were discussing curve. before we uh, first started recording was that you know I said I, I love chicken and waffles. And you're like, well, waffle comes first as waffle and chicken, but you had to learn how to make chicken. And what was that like? Well, the, the thing is that as because I never really worked in restaurant, but I, I love to cook. So I, I, I cooked my entire life. So I wrote all of the original recipes and then worked with uh, uh, with our first chef to to kind of scale it and be able to do it in batches that would be conducive to run a restaurant and not a party of eight people. Right. So, I mean, I can cook for like eight to 20 people at my house, but I never cooked in a professional setting. So I wrote the recipes and then those guys helped me kind of like scale it, etc. And so w- what I've done is try to focus on hiring people who knew the things that I didn't know. So, so you had a chef help develop the chicken part? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then worked with a... Uh, uh, with general manager and try to hire better and better people and people who had experience running restaurants. And then I would just work with them in terms of defining how we want um, the ex- the experience to be like, how we want to talk about the beer, the food, etc. Hire a good team and get out yeah. of the way. Yeah. And then try to build the culture. Do you think the chicken and waffle... I guess kind of he did crazy. It again. He did yeah, it again. Oh, waffle waffles and chicken. And chicken. I, I gotta get this. Gotta get this sorted. <laughs> Do you think the waffle and chicken craze uh, help kind of boost your profile as well? Because I think that was kind of like a a nice confluence of you opening a restaurant and that kind of becoming just a popular dish in general. Or do you think you helped make it popular? In Cincinnati, I think we For definitely sure, helped to make yeah. it popular. Okay, because we were the first one. Yeah. Okay, because it was like one of those things now. I always heard of. Yeah, you know, like Roscoe's in you know yeah. California. But it was oh, like, yeah. it was like, that's the one place that does that, you know, and then, you oh. know, to bring it here. Yeah. I see KFC trying to do it. I like KFC chicken, but it doesn't sound like it'd be very good with, with waffles. Yeah. So I didn't try that. I've never tasted it. But yeah. Um, I don't, I'm a little wary. Why would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. If someone saw you at the drive-thru of KFC, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what the heck is going on? That'd be funny. Do you still have your Rookwood location? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm going there next. Yeah, no, right after, is right after this, I'm going yeah. to get a bag of waffles. <laughs> it's a busy one. What's your favorite way to eat a waffle? Dessert? Or have, have your taste changed to make it more of a part of the dinner? It's just, for me, it's always just a snack, and it's always plain. Always plain. Paper. Yeah. No. That's incredible. How many times a week do you eat Cincinnati chili? Oh, Ever? <laughs> Not ever. I mean, uh, I, I've had it a few times. Uh-huh. It, it grows on you. It does. It does, yeah. You're not a weekly guy. Talk about no, something no. that looks like it came out of you instead of... Uh, <laughs> that shows it can work if it's tasty enough, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. What, uh, so what kind of dishes are you experimenting with right now? Is, is anything you can share of, like, new... What's the next the hot food Top item? Top secret. Next new, next one. I'm not sure. The latest one. I don't know if you've tried is our new Puig waffle. So we we worked oh. with uh, Yasiel Puig from, uh, yeah. from the Reds. Somebody told me that the Reds are. It, 
the Reds are bringing someone from the Dodgers who's a bat licker. And they're like, what in the world is a bat licker? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you Google search Puig bat licking, and then it yeah. does exactly yeah. what you expect. Oh, well, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So I saw him lick his bat, and I'm like, we need to get that guy to lick a waffle. And then uh, we... <laughs> so are you waffled and licked by Puig? So, no, 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 no. It's just like the guy is just like on camera. He's so funny and he's so photogenic. And they're like, we need to do something with this guy. Because we, we advertise with the Reds and we have four years. And we, they're like, let's do something with them. And we we had a executive team, uh, a team meeting. And people go like, wait, it's... Okay, fine. It's a great idea. Can we move on with the meeting? I'm there. No, no, we can do that. And so we actually <laughs> reached out to his agent. We flew to spring training, uh, and uh, we shot a bunch of videos and photos with him. So we got a sponsorship for every for every Puig waffle we sell. There is a dollar that goes back to the the Wild Horse Foundation that he supports. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's really cool. So it's a fun partnership. He's a great guy. We really had a ball with him. So. That's awesome. So it's uh, essentially a Cuban sandwich on a waffle, and then on the and then on the on the video that we shot, you can see him like grab the sandwich and just lick it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, was, I was wondering if it was where yeah. the Cuban part came in. Yeah, so that's okay. it. So yeah, it's a, it's a Cuban it's a Cuban sandwich on waffle, and that's something we had talked about doing for a long time, and that was just like the perfect opportunity to launch it. And is it like panini like? Or is it still an, an actual waffle? No, no. So it's a waffle. We cut it lengthwise. And then we have like uh, ham, pork belly, Hafarti uh, cheese, uh, Dijon mustard. It's really good. Mm. Nice. So that's on the menu right that's now? That's on the menu right now. Yeah. Have to uh-huh. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you feel like you had like kind of Americanized the, I mean, a waffle's a waffle, I guess, but did you have to kind of Americanize it in, in any way, do you think? Or would you, do you think people were sophisticated enough to be like, you know... Uh, the waffle itself, we did not change. The recipe has been the same one from day one. The things we do with the waffle, like piece of fried chicken, hot sauce, and maple syrup. I mean, Belgian people are horrified. Okay, that's what a, are yeah, you doing? Horrified. Yeah, what are you doing? Wow. It's, um, yeah. Well, what do you think of American waffles when you first got? Were you expecting they'd be terrible? Jam and ego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what's funny is that they call them Belgian waffle. I think that's the thing that yeah. was the most shocking. And uh, that's funny because our waffles don't look like that back home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all are all flattened. Yeah. That's what people say about chili. They're like, that's not chili. That's true. Yeah. yeah. People are very opinionated. Do you get? Do you find people with strong opinions about waffles like we do with chili? Yeah, you think so, Abby? Yeah. <laughs> Can you freeze the waffles and put them in a toaster? Oh, yeah, those, those freeze really well. So, yeah, we, we, we sell a lot of them in bags. So people grab them. We do, like, one bag for 12 bucks, two for 20 and then we tell people they freeze well, and then wow. you get an extra 20 bucks of that. What about Kroger? <laughs> Got to get them in Kroger. Uh, well, the issue is really with, with rotation, etc. So we used to be in Remke and Whole Foods and Biggs, uh, but then people would call me and say, well, I bought a waffle, and it was stale, etc. And I didn't have the team to go and rotate the product. And uh, Well, you need people. You put them in a store where people actually shop. That's probably the first problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so eventually, it's not a ghost think, town like Biggs. <laughs> I, think there, I think there is a way of uh, uh, yeah. getting to a partnership with Kroger. So hopefully something we'll do soon. Our uh, friends at Hen of the Woods did that. They just started. I know. It's amazing what they've done. Yeah, just put bags of chips oh, in there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're everywhere like, now. They were yeah. shocked as anybody that the Kroger picked them up. So smart. And um, no, they're not in the restaurant business. So good for them. <laughs> well, that reminded me of a question. We had the, the kids from Holtman's in here, the donut folks. Okay. And you were talking about scalability. Like, how 
how stressful was it deciding, especially early on, what's the right amount to make so you're not stuck with, you know, hundreds of waffles versus, you know, having enough that you can satisfy the demand? Well, the, the, the good thing is that the dough lasts for a little while and you can also freeze the dough. And then we just bake the waffle one at a time. Um, I mean, it just takes three minutes to bake the waffle. So, and then we, and then we bag them. So because we're open seven days a week, there is a continuous cycle. So it was more of an issue when I would just bake on Saturday at Finney Market, then I would want to sell out. We never run out of waffles. Okay. So quick review, because I've been told this at the store. I buy a bag of waffles are good for about a week. Okay. And then, then I can freeze them? Yeah, you can freeze them. And they're good for how long after you freeze them? I don't know, try to eat it within a month because okay. you'll, you'll get like freezer burn okay. otherwise. Okay. And what's the best way to resuscitate that waffle to get it back to? Toaster, toaster oven. Okay. Uh, if you really have to microwave, but yeah. it's just a few seconds then. Okay. And tow it first, I would say. Okay. But it works really well in to- toaster oven. Sounds um, good. Nice. So are you a soccer fan? Did you become a fan of our, because I know europeans of course it's, it's the it's the world game so i grew up playing soccer so yeah soccer is yeah so that's you, what we call football back home so yeah yeah it was kind yeah. of surprising here so so have you become a, a fc fan oh we've been fc fans since day one pf not just fc i know everything out of his mouth waffles and fc waffles and fc chickens and waffles and fc we get a jf in here with a pf and then now he gets all tongue-tied and in both cases, the F stands for Francois. Yeah. <laughs> what about when uh, the USA played uh, Belgium in the World Cup? Didn't they lose? Uh, was that? Yeah, Belgium won. Yeah, that, <laughs> was, that, was, that, that, was, that was really funny. So we were, that, that was one of our, it might have been our best day ever at Short Vine because it was really cool. We had all the TV station that came in really early in the morning. So we baked waffles, served coffee for everybody. We had a Belgian flag and a US flag hanging. <laughs> My son had a, uh, a Belgian jersey and uh, and a U.S. Uh, U.S. flagged hat. Yeah, because he was a conflicted fan. Sure, <laughs> he's half half. So that's awesome. Uh, I remember yeah, that Twitter that day. Here it was like, oh no, <laughs> but well, yeah, Twitter's always like that, I guess. But uh, and back to the, the no, Puig thing. I was, did you become a baseball fan at all? Because I have a friend from Scotland who's now completely he's a, a total Reds fan. <laughs> Didn't, I wish no. you could see his facial expressions <laughs> right now. That's a stretch. <laughs> now, baseball is, I mean, the atmosphere in the stadium is fun when, yeah. when they have busy games. Um, so, so, never. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, different, it's different than soccer. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good atmosphere. It's, it, it's fun. But, I mean, the, the atmosphere at FCC is just different. It's just like stadium is packed. It's electric. And it's just like... And... and co- it's also different from Europe because in Europe you have like crazy fans and violence, etc. And here it's super family friendly. It's just like it's uh, it's really cool. I mean, it's I think it's great for Cincinnati. Really, and and I mean the 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 level of soccer also is is improving now that they're in the MLS. So yeah, it's good. how does it how does the FC Cincinnati? I mean, other than like safety and family friendly, just in overall like energy and stuff like that how does it rival what they have in europe is it even close to have the same game experience like in stadium experience it's a lot closer than the columbus crew i can tell you that <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's it's not I don't, I don't think it's quite the same yet but it's it's pretty unbelievable yeah for sure we're not crazy enough though huh we're not beating each other up and uh 
And I think that's a good thing. <laughs> but it's part of that just because of how many different avenues we have for professional sports and other interests that it's hard to get that excited about one thing. Whereas in a lot of parts of Europe, like the the football team is the only thing that is there to get behind. Yeah, heard. everybody plays soccer. So that's yeah. the thing. I mean, in Belgium, just for national division, we have like three national divisions and then you have like so many regional leagues, etc. You have... I mean, you have so many soccer teams, so yeah, people identify with with that. That's really, it's really the main sport. I mean, and worldwide, I mean, yeah. soccer is the number one sport. Uh, before we came in, I was editing the uh, episode that drops today with the play-by-play guy from uh, FC Cincinnati, and uh, uh, who probably enjoys waffles and chicken in his spare time. But anyway, he was he was saying that um, he told his bosses that you know we need to really Americanize, you have to have American voices on the broadcast, and American. And I, I thought that was weird because in the seventies, the North, we had something called the North American Soccer League, I don't know if you ever, and it failed miserably. Because they tried to really make it American, and now the MLS seems to be succeeding, especially here, by Europeanizing it, which is, it, do you find that to be the case? Are you kind of surprised that people have really embraced the, the European aspect of it? I don't know, I think a lot of people have been growing up playing soccer, so I just think they're, yeah. they're more familiar with the sport than previous generations. And I think you, that's true. And you I have think access too. Yeah. Much more like people can watch a British league on TV all that, the time. Yeah. So I, I, I think it is... It, it's just a generational change. Yeah, because I played soccer growing up, and yeah. you know, my dad didn't play soccer. He took me to baseball games, and I did. And I go to soccer games, and I go I go to baseball games too. But yes, I think for sure it's the people with the disposable income, or the that's what they played when they were kids. Yeah, I think that's it too. I like the American side of soccer. I like that we kind of you know. I was, t- I was saying this before on, a, on one of our episodes. I like when we, the American nicknames like Columbus Crew and Vancouver Whitecaps, as opposed to like you know DC United and Sporting Kansas City. I don't know. I just <laughs> and I love Europe, but is this as like it's it's kind of a strange dichotomy. Um, so, what do you do when you're not making waffles and well, formerly doing marketing? What uh, I run quite a bit. So I run marathons. I bike, uh, bicycle. Did you ride in a flying pig? Yeah, I did the pig. Yeah, just like it's nothing. I mean, you just say, yeah, I just run marathons. <laughs> just, I can't imagine just. I mean, even running a half marathon, let alone one, let alone multiple. It's yeah, just a natural thing. You just always, two always full? ran. Yeah, I did Carmel, and then I did uh, d- did the pig. So, and it's just fun, huh? <laughs> fun is maybe <laughs> the wrong word. I mean, while while, you, while you're running it, you go like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. And then there is that weird thing that happened when you cross the finish line and you go like, well, I can't wait to do that again. I don't know. It's weird. Wow. Yeah, it's like birdie. It's like uh, like having a terrible golf round and then birdie in 18. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll come back. Do you like pack waffles with you for energy? And, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's That doesn't help you? Some syrup? Do you, you have one? How many kids do you have? Just one. Seven and a half. Yep, that's mine. Five age. It is a fun age. What what do you have uh, other than growing the taste of Belgium business? Like, what do you have other interests? Do you have other ideas? Other restaurant concepts or other? I mean, the vending machine thing's got to go. I know. Still. I'm like dying to know yeah. more about the, the hot food vending. <laughs> yeah, machine. no, I'm never going to touch the vending machine again. But I'm definitely <laughs> done with that. Un- unless we do a waffle vending machine, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Most likely oh, not. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. No, I don't think I'll go back to vending machine. No, I think the the the, the goal is going to be more trying to figure out how do we scale Tesla Belgium outside of Cincinnati and 
kind of like take over all the cities and world domination. There we go. Do you have other ideas though for other restaurant concepts or? I always have ideas, but I'm trying to be disciplined and focus on that. So. Oh, what's the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> what about the technology side? Like, can we get Uber Eats? Uh, will that go to we're get some on, waffles? We're on DoorDash and Grubhub. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we can totally get it delivered from any location. And then uh, we'll be restarting catering in uh, in a few weeks from the new commissary. So that's going to be fun. Too. Oh, catering. So, yeah. yeah. So there we've done go. a lot of weddings and things like that over the years. So we'll go back to that. So working with a third-party delivery, so do you have any problems? Because I do social media for a local restaurant chain here. And there's <laughs> constant complaints that, yeah. like, oh, it comes, it arrives cold. And, it, you know, I'm because waffles are a little more durable than... Uh, other foods, but it's, you know, is that just, is it easier to go that route than have your own delivery system, or have you ever thought about... On delivery is impossible right now, it just costs too much money, unless, unless you're La Rosa, and uh, yeah. they, can have, they can have their own driver, and they've done it for so long, um, so you have to rely on those guys, and it's a necessary evil, you pretty much have to do it. It's not my preference, I would definitely prefer to have people come to the restaurant, have the full experience, have the food, have some beer, um rather than ordering it and eating up at home on your sofa but people are funny with that so how do you stress that do you do you, how do you go through social media or word of mouth i mean because everyone knows taste of belgium but you know how do you you know keep that out there keep keeping people keep in front of people well we do like for example with fcc we, we do activation in the in the kids zone so we, we we do a lot of different outreach we just finished like one uh one month fundraising campaign for the Cincinnati Zoo um, for um, uh, they're building a new uh, elephant habitat. And so we partnered with uh, Delirium Tremens. It's the Belgian beer with the, with the pink elephant. So they brought up a massive blow up pink elephant. Um, and uh, so we did a bunch of events with the zoo and then they would bring some wild animals, etc. So just different things so that we can reach out to different people. And then we, we baked waffle at the zoo for Wild About Wine, Zoo Brew. I think we're actually doing Zulala this weekend. So yes. we, we go. I'll be there. You'll be there. <laughs> it's a fun event. So, <laughs> so You ever go around the country and find other Belgian waffle places and kind of gotten in early? Or have you seen people, that have, you, have you noticed anybody come in doing some reconnaissance on your Oh, yeah, that, that happens, yeah. And then it's... Get out. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know like when somebody's in there doing that? Well, sometimes they're very they dumb enough to tell you. <laughs> yeah, some of them are. Yeah, and and if it's from other cities, that's fine. Uh, I don't think there's really anybody locally who's doing waffles. I mean, you'd be silly to try. But then again, we've said that about t-shirts. And oh yeah, we got lots of competition <laughs> for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot sure. easier. We don't need our own sugar to. Yeah. Our own flour <laughs> yeah. So to what? Ha- that's something I was going to ask. Is like. So you import your sugar from Belgium. Like, what if one day that place goes away? Does that ruin everything? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> literally, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Then it's over. Ooh, <laughs> it's not over. <laughs> so, uh, no, there. I mean, there are two companies who, who make the sugar that we need. So at least there is a backup plan if one goes under, but that's very unlikely. And uh, yeah, funny story. So when uh, when I started, I cashed out my IRA and I bought ten tons of sugar. So that's 20,000 pounds. Wow. Best investment ever. Yeah. yeah. How long does that last? I mean, does it have a shelf life? I think it has a shelf life of a year or something like that. Um, you went through it, though. Oh, yeah, we went through it. <laughs> that's yeah. insane. So, Where did you store that? 
Uh, at the time, there was a, a warehouse somewhere in Fairfield. I've never seen it. It was stem control warehouse. Oh. So I just. I picture all those big highway things where they store the salt. It's in bag of uh, <laughs> it's in bag of fifty pounds. And did you stockpile no. other ingredients? Did they think it was cocaine? What does that the, cost to get over <laughs> here? Oh, the, the, I would need to. I mean, that's that's a lot. Uh, that's a, the weight alone is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of weight, and uh, so that that's why it's stored uh, at a warehouse, and then they would just like bring it like two pallets at a time. Just unloaded in the basement at a TR. Well, sorry. So that was you said ten tons you bought mm-hmm. then. Yep. How much do you think you buy in a year now with all all the uh, all the restaurants, all your capacity, sugar bill alone? Wow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say a year between twenty and thirty tons. Yes. I would That's... say at least twenty tons. Yeah. I would need to do the math. So what's different about that sugar? That sounds like you should yeah, bring they, that in house and make that the Cincinnati sugar. Do they grow it somewhere special, like they, not in the Caribbean, or is it? Uh, it's all grown in Belgium. Oh, but uh, it's sugarcane. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, in Belgium, it, all the sugar comes from beet, not from sugarcane, because it rains more than once a day on average. So sugarcane don't stand a chance in Belgium. So all our sugar comes from sugar beets, and sugar beets, unlike beets, are not like. Tiny little beads. Sugar beads are freaking massive, and uh, and then the it, it's it's a compressed sugar. It has a different melting point than uh, than regular sugar. It's like little granule. It looks like little stone. I had no idea. There's a difference in sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how the chocolate is so good. It says sugar over there. That might be the sugar. Uh, yeah. It all comes back full circle. When we were talking about developing new uh, products, I had a question I forgot to ask. Do you ever consider like what it would cost, like you're saying, to store all that stuff or to source it? Because I, I um, was talking to the guys in a previous job. Uh, I interviewed the president of Penn Station. The, okay. so, and I said, you guys need to do a steak and egg uh, sandwich. It would be great. And they said, you know, we've thought about that, but the problem becomes how do we source the eggs? How do we keep them fresh? Do we keep them fresh long enough? And it, it, they, that was that was the big stumbling block for them was that they weren't really in the egg procuring business and they would only be preserving it for part of the day. So that was kind of a, a barrier for them. But like when you're trying to develop a new flavor or a new topping, do you consider, well, why don't I get stuck with this? Well, we're, we're a lot smaller for one. And then Pensation, the, the, it's a franchise-based model. And uh, oh, yeah. so that's also very, very different. And they have so many units that, uh, yeah, I imagine that procurement would be a much bigger problem. I mean, for us, we can, we can buy it as long as we have the shelf life on it. It's fine. But we're trying to focus or kind of doing the same thing to, to reduce the, the number of items so that you don't carry stuff that, I mean, perishable product that you would just use for, for one item. That doesn't make sense. So unless you sell a lot of it. That's how they got this down to a, a well-oiled machine. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Using the commissary model, and that's becoming more popular, I guess. Because I know Duncan used to make all their donuts in their shops, and then they switched to a commissary method. Uh, and I don't know. Do you, do you think that... I guess in one way, I guess it's good because you you know the quality's consistent. No one's going to mess it up in any of the restaurants. But then are you afraid that it, is, that it will be a certain same? I guess in waffles it isn't as much of a risk. For us, we still will we will always bake the waffle on location. So okay. it's just the, 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 the manufacturing of the dough that we make centrally. So and that makes sense because then we yeah. can we can make sure that it's 
properly portioned, that the recipes are well executed, that the product is consistent. So if anything, for us, that will increase the quality of the product. And then as we move more things to the, the or different things to the com- commissary, it's still the same level of freshness. So we, we bring the baked goods and waffle dough daily from the commissary to the, to the restaurant. So. So when you stop by any of your restaurants, do you taste it? Maybe do a Gordon Ramsay and uh, this is terrible. <laughs> Get out of my kitchen. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> in, in, in a word. No. <laughs> well, I think it's time for a promo code. I think it's word time. Yeah. Yeah. We ask all of our guests at the end of every episode to give us one word or phrase, and it'll be used as a promo code on our website. It's our little marketing trick. We're such geniuses. Um, yeah, so, so do you have one word that is uh, near and dear to your heart or something that maybe we I said in what that, that word episode? might be. Yeah. Or, uh, it doesn't have to be that obvious. You could pick something. You could, you could pick a French word if you want. Yeah. Really trip people up. Make, really make people work for it. Oh, yeah, there you go. Let's go with beer, but the way we spell it is B-I-E-R. B-I-E-R. There you go. So, what is your favorite beer? Just what do you recommend if you're someone's looking for a Belgian beer and not and want something like more more sophisticated than Stella? Uh, the the one thing that we have at, at all location in exclusivity is called Quermont. So we we bring that exclusively from Belgium. Uh, so it's a Belgian amber. Yeah. Uh, that that beer is great. Cool. So I love Quermont. Or the, I mean, the Quack Triple Carmelite. There are so many. I mean, every location we have between 24 and 54 beers on draft, and uh, we cover all the Belgian style. I mean, if you go to our bank's location, we have the best curated beer list in the city. All right. Wow. That'll be my second stop after <laughs> after Rookwood today. <laughs> sorted. Yeah, yeah, sorted. As, exactly. As, as you would say. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right. So beer is the promo code B I E R. Yes. Twenty percent off online or at any of our three locations: Hyde Park, Over the Rhine, and Loveland. And then, how can people follow you on social media? Is it just at Taste of Belgium? At Taste of Belgium. Yeah. And then on Facebook, every location has their own page. Their own page. And what are your hours down there? You're open seven days a week. You're doing breakfast and lunch every day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We do we do dinner Tuesday through Sunday at Rookwood and the Banks, um, and then OTR and Clifton across Sunday night. And do you stay open late for those drunk kids who need some sugar at the end of the night? Uh, at our OTR location at 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday, we flip back to a brunch menu. So we can do late-night brunch, and, and we have late-night happy hour as well. So. That's so fun. Very cool. Well, thank you for thank spending you. some time with us. Uh, it's a great product. We're happy that you, that you stuck around here. Thank for, you. Uh, fun. And once we wrap this up, we'll get going on that waffle vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, guys. John Francois from Taste of Belgium. Uh, you can find them all over Cincinnati. They're down on the banks. They're in OTR. Let me see. They're in Short Vine. I remember what the location is. There's the Rookwood one. And I did, honest to God, I did go to the Rookwood location right after the interview and bought waffles. And we ate them last night. We made the chicken here. Used uh, Jean Francois's waffles. Delish. 
If you haven't already, though, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. Speaking of things that are delish, lots of great episodes back there. Matt Bischoff from Survivor, uh, Gold Star CEO Roger David, another great guy. John Keyswetter talking about WKRP and other uh, Cincinnati-related TV. Uh, we've had Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, Frank Marzullo, and Randy Rico off of Weather. So I uh, just go back. We've got, what, 70, 71 episodes back there. Listen to them all. And if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, info at Cincy Shirts, and put podcast guest in the subject line and then tell us who you'd like to hear. Be sure to tell uh, friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. Uh, today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are actually from Philadelphia. You can find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Um, we should get those guys at Bunbury some year. I should probably put uh, put that bug into somebody's ear for uh, next year. Find Vidget Tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and Philadelphia, and more at uh, oldschoolshirts.com. We have a big Chicago collection, too, there, by the way. Some cities we have more of than others, but Louisville and Cleveland, probably the two biggest after Cincinnati. Uh, Anyway, it's a lot of defunct teams, old shopping centers, old restaurants, kind of like Cincy shirts, but for those towns. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is beer, spelt the French way, B-I-E-R-E, uh, so upper, uppercase, lowercase, doesn't matter. It will work uh, either way. And you can use that to take 20% off your entire uh, CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And uh, speaking of which, we do have a lot of beer shirts in there, by the way. And I think we have a few for the other cities as well in Old School. Uh, so you can use that to take uh, the 20% off not only online, but in store at our brick-and-mortar locations, of course, over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a review wherever you got the podcast from and as always download or stream us next time bye